BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. This is Analysis, the podcast about the ideas behind the news from BBC Radio 4. This week's edition takes a hard look at something that affects everyone's economic well-being. The value of the pound has plummeted since the 2016 referendum on Britain's membership of the European Union. Some say that's just made us poorer. Others that it's been a great boon for the British economy. Paul Johnson, director of the Institute for Fiscal Studies, asks why the value of the pound has fallen, what the effects have been, and why it matters to all of us. Remember waking up on the 24th of June 2016, the day after the referendum? The result was obviously the big news, but something big was also happening to the value of the pound. Panic on the markets, on a scale not seen since the global financial crisis, The fear that this could turn into another one drove the pound down 12% this morning, the biggest drop in half a century. Jane Foley is head of foreign exchange at Rabobank in the City of London. She remembers the atmosphere in the dealing room in the early hours of June 24th, the day after the referendum. I'm always at my desk at 6.30 because we take the handover from Asia. But that day we came to work even earlier, so I was at my desk around 4am A lot of the movement had been done, but there was a lot more to do. But the tone on the desk in the markets was one of of shock, almost unbelieving what was on the screens, because the opinion polls had led us to believe something else. So there was a, a real sense of shock. But why should the fall in the value of the pound cause so much angst? And for that matter, why do currencies rise and fall in value against each other at all? What should we make of the competing claims over whether falls in the exchange rate are even a good thing or a bad thing? Mark Carney, Governor of the Bank of England, was pretty clear what he thought when answering questions from MPs on the Treasury Select Committee. Depreciations don't work. Uh, I mean, they have an economic effect, but they're not a good economic strategy. They may be an outcome of various things, but that I absolutely stand by that. It's how how you make yourself poorer. Depreciations are how you make yourself poorer. Couldn't be clearer than that. Not everyone agrees, though. Former Brexit Secretary David Davis reckons the pound's always been too high from the point of view of industry. And looking back in history, Roger Bootle, chairman of Capital Economics and an expert on the trials and tribulations of the British economy, also argues that there have been times when depreciations have served us well. The best example is 1992, when we came out of the European exchange rate mechanism and the pound fell dramatically overnight. The reaction of the British economy to that was extremely favourable. Indeed, there followed five years of pretty successful economic management, actually, with the economy doing well. Going back further still, I suppose the classic example is 1931, when Britain came off the gold standard and the pound fell a long way, and that was incredibly beneficial. Uh, Thereafter, we saw the fastest sustained period of economic growth in the whole of our industrial history. Roger Bootle is also hopeful that the recent depreciation will help the British economy in the same way as the devaluations of 1931 and 1992. But as ever, things are rather more complex. In this programme, I want to try to shed some light on the causes and effects of sterling's recent weakness. And do keep listening... What happens to the pound matters to you, your job and your standard of living. Let's go back to referendum night again. Foreign exchange markets were in a state of turmoil, says Jane Foley. 
There was an extreme shock on the foreign exchange markets on the result of the referendum. And because this was not anticipated, it was not priced in. And this is why we had such a significant move in the value of sterling. It dropped around 12% or so on the day against the US dollar. People didn't want to invest in an economy where there was uncertainty about trade links in the next few years. So from an investment point of view, sterling no longer so attractive. And the way that you just described that was that you said the pound sterling became less attractive. What you really mean is the UK became less attractive. Yes, yes. So the initial fall back in 2016 was down to a big increase in uncertainty. Meredith Crowley, reader in international economics at Cambridge University, gives us some more basics on what drives exchange rates. If we want to compare the exchange rate between two countries, say the United Kingdom and the United States, one country's currency is going to be stronger or you're going to have one unit of pound sterling. You can buy more dollars if sterling is stronger. That tends to happen when there's more demand for British currency. So, for example, if investors around the world want to invest in the UK because they think the economy there will be strong going forward and returns on investing in the UK economy are going to be high, that's going to increase the demand for pound sterling, and the pound sterling would tend to appreciate or become more valuable relative to the dollar. So in general, we think that a currency is stronger when uh, the economy for that country is stronger. So that's probably the most important determinant. We'll come on to other determinants of a currency's value in a minute. But Meredith Crowley goes on to make an important point about the effects of a fall in the value of the pound. The real downside of a depreciation, though, is the purchasing power of everybody in the country has declined. So if... I normally spend 20% of my income on imported goods, whether they be oranges from Morocco or sweaters from France or whatever. Now all of those imported things that I purchase have become more expensive. And so that's sort of the downside. So my wages look like they haven't changed in what we say nominal terms. So I'm still bringing home the same number of sterling each week that I brought home before the depreciation. But the price of things that I like to buy is going to go up sooner or later as this movement at the exchange rate starts to move through imported goods and then into the retail sector. Sterling dropped and it meant that on the world stage, we in the UK were suddenly all poorer. If we had decided then that day to buy an apartment in in Spain, we suddenly would find that we could no longer afford the apartment that we could the day before. So all of our assets in the UK was suddenly valued on a much lower basis. Jane Foley agreeing that a diving exchange rate reflects a lack of confidence in the British economy and makes us worse off because it reduces the real value of our incomes. Conversely, it makes foreigners coming to the UK feel better off. I'm really happy with the price going down because due to the exchange rate, it's really good for me to buy things in the UK. We buy some clothes. And it's much cheaper than in, in China. I think it's uh, okay for me. Most of my friends are Chinese, so they are really happy with the price. So food and drink are more expensive, but clothes and other things are cheaper. I'll come back because we travel like pretty comfortable here. It's much cheaper than China, yeah. Those are Chinese tourists outside Harrods, which now feels like rather more of a bargain because the pound is so cheap. For us in Britain, though, 
buying stuff abroad, be it an apartment or a meal in a Spanish restaurant, is more expensive. And on the domestic front, there is broad consensus that prices are a good 2% higher today than they would have been had the post-2016 fall in the value of the pound not happened. Jane Foley again. In the UK, we import approximately 40% of our food. We also import now around about 36% of our energy. If we look at UK inflation after the 2016 referendum, after sterling really dropped very heavily, yes, we have seen UK inflation going higher. We've seen food prices go higher. And, of course, that impacts the, the outlook for energy prices as well. Often, of course, it's, it's the poorest people that are hurt most by this. And the simplest reason is that the poorer people tend to spend a larger proportion of their income buying the necessities, such as food or, if they have a car, putting petrol in, in their car. Well, none of that looks too good. It sounds like a fall in the value of the pound just makes us worse off. So how can it be that there is any confusion over whether or not to welcome it? Part of the answer is that the exchange rate is just acting as a safety valve. The consequences of being locked into an overvalued pound could be even worse. What I think we saw after the referendum is essentially investors in the UK were looking to the long term and saying the UK is likely to become less competitive against its major trading partners. So the majority of our goods and services go to the European Union. And we know that if we leave the European single market, we will see more frictions in our trading relationship. And that essentially means it'll be more costly for a business here in the UK to export its goods and services to the rest of Europe. So essentially, market participants are looking at that. And so they're allowing the exchange rate to, in a way, act as a safety valve and make it easier for the UK to be competitive now to meet that higher trading frictions, if you like. That's Rain Newton-Smith, chief economist at the Confederation of British Industry, agreeing that the fall in the value of the pound reflected increased concerns over the UK economy, but pointing out that the fall might also cushion UK business from some of the additional costs of trade with the EU. Interestingly, Jane Foley used exactly that same metaphor of the exchange rate as safety valve. There are some upsides to a weaker pound and, and most exporters would suggest that that should make their uh, exports cheaper and, and therefore it should be uh, positive on that front. And, and also we've got to remember that having the flexible exchange rate is a good safety valve in, in terms of a, of a crisis. It is, um, for instance, after the global financial crisis, uh, the UK economy obviously was hit quite strongly. The exchange rate pushed lower and, and this is what's supposed to happen. It should have taken some of the heat out of the pressure on, on the economy. Um, an alternative would be for people to take a real wage cut, and that is clearly more painful. So there are good reasons why an exchange rate um, will move lower, without a shadow of a doubt. Jane Foley from Rabobank also makes the point that exporters tend to like a lower pound. It can make British companies more competitive abroad. That's the key to understanding why a falling exchange rate might be a good thing. Roger Bootle, chairman of Capital Economics, certainly thinks it can be. Can a lower exchange rate be the answer to a maiden's prayer? No. Can't improve your sex life, can't fix your gammy leg, it can't make up for weak productivity growth, appalling education, infrastructure, all these things. I have a correspondence on these issues with my readers that I write a column for the Daily Telegraph all the time, and the people can't get this into perspective. They say, oh, you know, why have some countries like Japan, Germany, how have they managed to have high exchange rates? Why are you constantly saying you'd have a competitive exchange rate? No, the exchange rate can't fix all those fundamental things. 
But if something has gone wrong in your monetary relationships, that's to say the relationship between your price level and other countries' price level, the exchange rate is about the only thing that can fix that thing that's gone wrong. And interesting, the historical evidence is completely the opposite of what my disgusted from Tunbridge Wells write into me about so angrily. That's to say, when the Deutschmark was established after the war, it was at a very competitive level, and the German authorities were desperate to keep it competitive. So throughout that long period when German exports did so well, the Deutschmark tended to be going up behind the increase in German productivity. Not in front of it, so that the German currency was kept competitive. Japan, been extremely concerned to keep its currency competitive, hasn't always succeeded. China, absolutely obsessed with the competitiveness of its currency. America, all these countries know that exchange rates really matter for economic performance. It's only a certain sort of cadre of people in Britain, both disgusted of Tunbridge Wells and some economists who should know better, who seem to think <laughs> that exchange rates don't matter for economic performance. It's just bunkum. Roger Bootle would like us to keep the value of the pound low in order to stimulate British industry. He thinks that, given how unproductive the British economy is, the pound has been worth too much for a long time, and the recent depreciation is a cause for some celebration. The pound was much too high for too long, and that has been a leading factor in creating this huge imbalance in Britain's trade. And that imbalance will only really be corrected as and when the pound is sustained at a very low and competitive level for a long period of time. He has an interesting view as to why the pound has had a tendency to be too high. Basically, the UK was too attractive for some kinds of foreign investment, especially in the financial sector, leaving the industrial sector uncompetitive. I think in Britain we've got a serious dichotomy between the attractions of British financial assets and the efficiency of British market, financial markets on the one hand, and, if you like, the inclination and determination of British firms to take a long view and to invest for the future. Britain is very attractive for foreign investment in a variety of ways. Our markets are relied upon, they're believed in, people have got complete trust in the English legal system. and. A whole series of factors mean whether this is property, bonds, equities, anything. So we've got a terrific appetite for foreigners to buy British assets. And in that answer, in case you are wondering, we also have part of the explanation for how we in the UK managed to run a big current account deficit with the rest of the world year after year after year. We import more stuff than we export, and we can do that because foreigners rather like investing in the UK. We have historically been seen as a safe, stable, trusted, open economy. That's a good thing. Meredith Crowley of Cambridge University again. If the UK has a current account deficit, that means the UK is buying more goods and services from foreign countries than it is selling to those foreigners. How do you buy more than you sell? You incur a debt. And so it's sort of a measure of international indebtedness. On the other hand, though, if you think about a debt, it's also a loan. And you only loan money to those who you think are creditworthy and have a good ability to pay you back. So the other way to think about a current account deficit is that it actually is a measure of how strong foreigners think the economy is and how good a bet investing in the UK economy is. So it's great to know that foreigners have, or at least had, confidence in us. 
but their recent loss of confidence, reflected in the lower exchange rate, has certainly helped some businesses grow their exports. Mick Ventola runs a small business based in Leicester that manufactures and installs lighting equipment. He's found the depreciation of sterling quite a help to his plans to expand overseas. We moved into a number of um, Middle Eastern projects about six years ago and then I decided that I wanted to sort of try and look at the US market but was subsequently advised not to sort of rush into that market because it's a big, it's tough not to crack basically. That has probably taken four to five years of work in getting to the stage we are now and then since the Brexit vote and the pound obviously losing a lot of its strength against the dollar, I think that has speeded the process up because a lot of people we was talking to at the time were saying oh it's just a little bit too expensive is there anything we can do on the price of which you know where there wasn't that flexibility almost immediately after brexit and seeing how the pound's been affected and how it's sort of stayed that way a lot of people we were talking to they've seen a reduction in in their US dollar cost of about 20%. So that has assisted in getting the product into that US market and uh, sort of alleviated that slight price difference that was possibly a little bit too expensive for them at the time. So two or three years ago, you were a little bit too expensive and now you're pretty competitive in the US market because of what's happened to the pound. It's been a great benefit to us. But it was a benefit because you were already in the Middle East. You were already thinking thinking about the US and you've clearly put years and years and years of work into building these markets. Mm, True. That's a perfect example of how a weaker pound can help British business. It makes them more competitive when selling abroad. The other key to Mick's story, though, is that he'd been planning that move into the US market for years. Businesses can't suddenly enter a new market just because the exchange rate falls. It takes time. That may be why we've not seen much of an export boom since 2016. Roger Bootle, arch-advocate of a lower exchange rate, is realistic about timescales. The time periods here are absolutely critical, whereas the effect on consumers comes through pretty quickly and you'd expect their reaction to be pretty quick. I think the reaction of business people with regard to their investment and trading policies is likely to take much longer. So even if there are benefits, they'll take a long while to show up. In the meantime, consumers lose. Now, ultimately, of course, you can't diverge the interests of consumers and producers. They come to be the same thing. In the end, I mean, you know, who are consumers? They're just producers going shopping. But in the short term, there's a difference, a dichotomy, a divergence between these two interests. And this is very important for a whole series of things. It's also important for the politics, actually, because it does mean that for a time, consumers in the country can enjoy a high exchange rate. They think this is wonderful. It will be. Meanwhile, the people who employ them, of course, aren't necessarily quite so um, rejoicing. What's more, for some businesses, the apparent benefit of a currency depreciation can be complicated by other factors. We're actually, as a nation, much more successful selling services abroad than selling manufactured goods. In fact, while we run a big trade deficit on goods, we manage to run a trade surplus when it comes to services. And one successful exporter of services is Richard Barkey, who runs Imparta, a UK-based training firm that does a lot of business overseas. We won a Queen's Award for Export in 2013, and historically a lot of our revenue has come from overseas, both in the US and in Europe. Europe is our biggest market. It's the lion's share, um, or it certainly was before the referendum vote. Now, obviously, this programme is really about exchange rates and how that 
it impacts um, businesses. And we usually think of as exporters when the when the power goes down, exporters going whoopee, uh, we can now sell more staff at a lower price and make more profit by selling into other countries. But I don't think that's been quite your experience. No, there's an element of that. So definitely when sterling devalues, the revenue that we make in, let's say, Europe is worth more in pounds than it used to be. There are two buts, though, to that. And the first one is that we're dealing most of the time with professional procurement negotiators, and they know exactly that your prices can go down because your costs have gone down and because the currency has changed. And so they take advantage of that, and they will come after you, and they will go, you will only get this deal if you're able to reduce your price in accordance with the change in the exchange rate. So that's the first kind of but. The second is that the reason the exchange rate has gone down is that people are less confident in our economy, they're less confident in our ability to deliver, and so UK organisations become, frankly, less popular in economic terms, but also in attitudinal terms, and that uncertainty about what actually is it going to be like trading with a British company in 2020 has, I would say, had quite an impact on revenue already this year. So the soft attractiveness of working with the UK has has diminished. We've made ourselves look less attractive. And you think of the exchange rate going down as partially offsetting that, but you're saying actually the impact on the price isn't what really matters. It's the impact on the confidence, on the certainty, which has a much bigger effect than the exchange rate. And you'd need a much bigger fall in the exchange rate to, to really offset that. We estimate that the impact of the devaluation alone on our profit margins is probably about £200,000 improvement in profit in 2018, thanks to that devaluation. On the other hand, we grew about 5% last year, and we were expecting to grow 25% last year. And we think about £2 million worth of revenue we can attribute being lost to factors that relate to the referendum, many different things, but relate to Brexit. So Richard's story... And remember, his company is a winner of a Queen's Award for exports, is that any benefit from the lower pound has been much more than offset by greater uncertainty and difficulty doing business in Europe. But even ignoring those extra costs, a lower exchange rate can be a mixed blessing for business in itself. Trade is rather more complicated than it looks. In fact, most trade isn't foreign businesses selling to British consumers, or British businesses selling to foreign citizens. Rather, most trade is a business in one country selling a product or service to a business in another country. So a fall in the value of the pound can be bad news for British business, not just for British consumers. Meredith Crowley of Cambridge University has done a lot of research on this. For UK producers that use a lot of imported inputs into their production those imported inputs also became more expensive. So, for example, uh, lots of car factories in the UK, but a lot of the components for for those cars that we think of as made in the UK, but some really quite high fraction of the components come in from Spain or Germany or France or wherever. Exactly. And some of these components might be, you know, something like an engine, which is a very large part of the total car's value. And I think it's really interesting because this gets into um, what international trade actually looks like nowadays. I think possibly a lot of us have in our mind that international trade is, you know, a British consumer buying a French bottle of wine or a French consumer buying a British bottle of 
whiskey, but actually it's much more complex than that, isn't it? More than half of trade is company to company rather than company straight to consumer. Yeah, it's it's generally much more complicated than the bottle of wine from France. (laughs) And that is in large part why the CBI, the organisation representing many British businesses, does not see the recent drop in the pound sterling as an unalloyed benefit. CBI Chief Economist Rain Newton-Smith again. What we saw for our exporters is actually the weaker sterling provided, for some of them it provided a boost. So it meant that their goods essentially became cheaper in France and in Germany. So they became what we call, economists call more competitive. And we did actually see some of that through our surveys of the manufacturing sector. So that feeling of how competitive is your good against other competitors in the rest of Europe. UK businesses did feel more competitive and we think we did see a boost to some of our manufacturing exports as a result of that. But I think the second impact we really saw here in the UK is that actually it meant we saw higher inflation, particularly for consumers. So if you were importing into the UK, the price of those imports suddenly went up. And that meant if you're making goods here in the UK, ultimately you saw higher inflation in your supply chains. We actually did a special survey of businesses around the impact of the exchange rate for manufacturing businesses. And surprisingly, almost a half of those businesses said the weaker exchange rate had been negative for their overall business. You know, an engine part from Germany was now more expensive here for a UK business. And also we were seeing the impact on on the high street, that higher inflation uh, meant that household pay didn't keep up with that higher inflation. And as a result, we saw a slowdown in household spending on the high streets, and that had a knockout impact on UK businesses. So we know that a, a, a lower pound increases prices here, but, but there's often a very simple and powerful story told that the reduction in the value of the pound makes it easier to export and therefore is in general good for British business. But I think you're saying there's a rather more complicated story there because a lot of British business, even exporters, mm. are importing quite a lot in order to make what what they're making in the end. Yeah. And I think as an economist, you can sometimes have this idea that there is a perfect company out there that doesn't import anything from the rest of the world, a UK company that only buys materials from within the UK. But that company doesn't really exist. So what you see when exchange rates move is that, you know, the exporters from the UK have to bring in some kind of materials. They're part of complex global supply chains. And actually, over time, those supply chains have got more complex. So it's very hard to find a company that's only producing goods and services that only originated in the UK. So they, even though what they're exporting may be cheaper for their ultimate consumers, what they're finding is those higher costs of production end up whittling away some of that competitiveness effect. And in actual fact, what have we seen since 2016? We've had this big fall in the value of the pound. Have we seen a boom in exports? No, it's really hard to see it in in the data. I mean, you can see some impact on on export orders. But what we haven't seen is a huge boom in the UK's exports uh, to the rest of the world. Having heard all of this, you may be no clearer what to think about the fact that a pound, which could have got you one euro and 40 cents back at the end of 2015, can now only get you about one euro and 14 cents today. Well, beyond the certain fact that it will make your next trip to the Costa Brava more expensive, I think there are three things to take away from all this. First, the simple fact of a depreciation makes us worse off, at least in the short run. 
prices in the UK, especially for things like food and energy, are higher than they would have been had the value of the pound not fallen. Second, it might well have helped some businesses with their exports. But the world is a complicated place. For one thing, exporting takes a lot of effort, so any positive effects may take a while to feed through. And in any case, most of the things that we as a country import are themselves inputs into what British businesses produce. So a lot of those businesses will actually have been made worse off. But finally, thank goodness for the fact that we do have the exchange rate as a safety valve. In the end, a falling exchange rate reflects the fact that we are less competitive or less attractive to foreign investors, or that the cost of trade is expected to rise. It is a reflection of our diminished state, not a cause of it. Analysis was presented by Paul Johnson and produced by Neil Koenig. You might also want to listen to some of our other recent podcasts, such as BBC Education Editor Branwyn Jeffries' look at the question of whether children of married parents do better. In next week's edition, Edward Sturton asks if British politics have been more shaped by Irish history than most MPs are willing to admit. Don't forget you can subscribe to Analysis on BBC Sounds so you don't miss an episode. And do please let us know what you think. We're on Facebook and email. Analysis at bbc.co.uk Okay.